This is the Investor Frame Podcast with me, Paul Sparks. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Investor Frame Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Sparks. And on this show, we ask successful real estate investors and entrepreneurs to share their stories so we can all learn from their experiences and get closer to the things that we want in life. Today, I've got an excellent guest, Ren Bartlett. I know a lot of you guys know Ren. Um, he is a master at sales leadership and management. He just joined uh, the, the Real Estate Disruptors team and is doing amazing work to help you know, entrepreneurs scale their businesses, build more reliability into their businesses. I'm, I'm super excited to have him talk about his experiences today and share what's working for him and what his solvable problem is. So welcome in, Ren. It's great to have you. Hey, man, it's great to be here. Glad to be with you today, Paul. Yeah, dude, I've been uh, watching you on social media. And actually, you and I, when we were at the uh, uh, Collective Genius event in October, we both were sitting around saying like, hey, we need to start making a push on social media. Fast forward maybe four or five months. Here we are. We both got these killer backgrounds. You're doing all sorts of cool stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, hey, we, we, uh, we committed and we executed, right? I like it. Yeah. And that's what your expertise is. And that's what you're helping entrepreneurs do. So um, we always start this show off with a six word update. So uh, what's your six word update today? Focusing on greater impact. I love it. I always like it when guys can keep it less than six words as well. That was four words. So focusing on greater impact. What does that mean? Uh, you know, I, I think my, my purpose in life, while I don't have it extremely extreme clarity on it. I know that it's to make an impact on people. Um, I don't have a ton of skill sets. The ones that I do have, I want to harness those to help people. And uh, right now who that is, is, is business owners, CEOs that uh, are just trying to run more efficient organizations, leaner teams and be better leadership, uh, better stewards of leadership inside of their companies. Yeah. And I'm going to ask you to share a little bit about what you're doing in these businesses and different things like this. But, you know, we talk a lot about of the, uh, the barbell on this show, and we'll get to this a little later. But what you do is so valuable to so many entrepreneurs, because we know that when we get into business, a lot of times it's gambling, like we're spending money and like we're gambling on the fact that we get money in and out and you know, that's something I struggled with for a long time, spending a lot of money, doing all sorts of things. And my business processes were not dialed into the point where they needed to be. That's what you do. From what I understand, you help business owners move towards the reliable side of the barbell, become more consistent, become more predictable before they scale. Right. So maybe tell us a little bit about your your history in real estate, how you got here and what you're doing now. Yeah, um, that is what I do in, in so few words. But, you know, my history is uh, I, I started in real estate, I think, five years ago, maybe five and a half years ago, and uh, not knowing anything. I, I didn't even own a house. In fact, you know, I rented uh, a small house in, in Mobile, Alabama. But but over that time, you know, I was given an opportunity to go as high as I wanted to inside of that company. And uh only through trial and error and a lot, a lot of failures was I able to, to do pretty well for myself. And along the way, I just had a thirst for knowledge. I stayed super self-critical and self-aware at all the mistakes because the opportunity that I was given, I did not have the skill set to truly capitalize on. And, um, you know, I was, I was self-aware enough to know that I was making mistakes and I had to correct them if I wanted to continue to raise the ceiling of that particular company there for that season. And then ultimately the ceiling of my own life and the capabilities that I had as a leader and the impact that I would in the future be able to make um, on others as well. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I knew you or you were running, you know, a pretty large operation in the Southeast as the COO and, you know, very impressive. I met you through Collective Genius and, you know, you're a young guy and the energy that you bring to your, you know, your craft is, is, is infectious. It's contagious. Um, that's why I, I, you know, I, I looked up to you. So I still do. Right. And, and what you do in business. And so, yeah, tell us a little bit about the transition going from running a large CEO, you know, a large company like that and being the COO to now what you do and helping other 
uh, investors that are, you know, sort of in that transition where they're trying to make their business more reliable. They want to scale. They want to do businesses. And uh, tell us about that, what that business looks like now. Yeah. So I, I got my hands in a lot of things right now. So effectively, I still do the same thing. I run a large business with a bunch of divisions, but those divisions just happen to be other people's businesses for the most part, whether they're partnerships of, and, and I have equity stake in them. You know, we run a, a pretty decent size wholesaling and investment firm out of Atlanta right now, That's which right. Um, I hold the title as a chief strategy officer, but I currently sit in the director of acquisition seat. So I'm managing eight to 12 acquisition managers at any given point along with directing the strategy for the rest of the company but also you know i spun off uh spun off rather wartime ceo and uh, what that is is it's a it's a consulting company that comes alongside uh the clients that we work with which are predominantly people that have businesses that are sales and marketing focused because that's kind of my expertise is sales and marketing and then leadership baked inside of there. And so, you know, we give them the fundamental building blocks for we, we go to where they are currently and then begin to pull the levers to get them to where they want to be. And that ranges greatly for where they are inside of their business. You know, I, I work with people that do $50,000 a month all the way up to people that do $2 million a month in revenue. And so how we come in as a support player then to them, it looks a lot different. I can tell you that 50% of our conversations are around leadership and mindset, uh, you know, because that's where we are able to exhibit true growth inside of our opportunity. Our true growth inside of our organization is raising that leadership and getting away from that fixed mindset and adopting that growth mindset uh, that's talked about in the book Grit and uh, Grit and then growth mindset as well. And so it looks very different. It looks very different. Uh, most of my clients are in the real estate space. So that kind of looks the same, but what's interesting, if you get up, if you lift the hoods on all of these wholesaling organizations, they all have different distinctions. They all use different language. They all have different systems and different processes, ultimately, which equal the same thing, closed transactions, hopefully in most cases. Um, but it all looks so different. It's very unique to the culture and the context of each organization, all while basically baking the same loaf of bread. Right. Yeah, I, it's, it's sort of like there's not one size fits all for all these businesses. Everybody has their own unique uh, strategy and style. And I think that's, that's important to note that we all look around and this, this concept of like play your own game. Some of us have yeah. different levels of expertise, you know, for someone like myself, I'm not, I'm not very, uh, <laughs> uh, process oriented, even though I am a, an engineer, like I was trained on that. I, I find that doing that type of stuff is hard. And, you know, one of the things that I, I really like about what you do is you, you've, you sort of build these businesses around the strengths of the people there. And, and culture is something that you, you know, I've heard you talk about every single, every single time I've heard you speak. Um, and you say something that I, I really resonate with all the time is that language is critical. The language we use with our team, the language yeah. that we use with our customers. Tell me a little bit about that and how that leads to successful organizations. First, before we go there, I would just like to note that you're a true anomaly, an engineer that hates processes and is good at basketball. Like what, what universe are you from? <laughs> I know it, right? Those people just don't exist every day. So, uh, but no, it's, it's cool. Uh, man, you know, language, why is it so important? It's, it's because language is so diverse and so dynamic, right? I'll give you a great example in the South everything that is carbonated is called a Coke. Right. And so if I'm dining with you in Colorado and I go out and I order a Coke, a waitress in the South would say what flavor, but in Colorado, they would just bring me a Coca-Cola. Two very different outcomes, two very different places, two very different cultures, two very different contexts. Context. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And so our ability to, our ability to coordinate action effectively starts and, and that's how we get success. 
coordinating action action effectively equals success, right? We can reach our goals, we can hit our commitments, we can accomplish our dreams if we can effectively coordinate action for a sustained period of time. Well, the basis of that is language. And if we don't have the same distinctions within language, for example, if I ask for a Coke in Colorado, she's going to bring me back a Coke. Well, maybe I actually wanted a Dr. Pepper. We don't have the same language distinction. If I go in here in Mobile, Alabama and ask for a Coke, she's going to ask me what flavor I'm going to request a Dr. Pepper. We're all going to get exactly what we want in that situation. Well, where it gets shifty is we don't realize that as business owners. And when mm. we command, when we request a task be done, or we are looking for a specific outcome and we don't get it, it creates frustration, which eliminates the opportunity for success. You know, and so it's just this, it's so interesting and, and everyone looks at the world through a different lens and, and different words mean different things. But when we can, you know, have a common background of experience, use distinctive languages to get a desired outcome and then execute on an action plan, what we find is a more repeatable process. What we find is a more optimized experience and what we ultimately get is to wake up and do what we love every day in a fun culture, in a winning culture. And we get to go out and accomplish our dreams with much less headache. And everybody seems to be a lot happier. Yeah. And speaking as someone who has historically always like wanted to scale, I've, I've always said, yeah, I want to scale my business. And I think we hear a lot of, you know, new entrepreneurs scaling our business, but so we're trying to press harder on the gas but we've also got our foot on the brake at the same time. <laughs> and the foot on the brake yeah. is like not having reliable process, not having, you know, consistent language and culture. So, you know, it seems like what you're saying is that's where you start is helping people take their foot off the brake first before they press harder on the mm -hmm. gas. Yeah. And, and I would really just like to get on a soapbox and um, just, get off the word scale people think mm -hmm. that's what the, i mean and there again like look even the word scale if i asked for your definition of scale and then went out and polled the next 20 people that i ran into and said hey if i asked you to scale a business what does that mean to you i would get i may get similar definitions but i will not get a very clear and concise distinction and so everybody wants to scale but nobody really understands why and mm. what impact that has to accomplish anything worthwhile. You must sacrifice something. And everybody that stands up on their soapbox and says, I want to scale. I want to scale. I want to scale. Well, my question then becomes, what are you willing to sacrifice? Well, I'm willing to sacrifice. Are you willing to sacrifice time with your family? Are you willing to sacrifice 80 hour work weeks? Are you willing to sacrifice losing money for the next two years in order to accomplish that? No. Well, then do you truly want to scale? Mm. Or do you want to grow? There's a difference. That's so good. Scale is just this arbitrary word. It's like, you know, we were talking before this, and I've given this example many times. When you think about going somewhere new, right? It's like we jump in the car and we just type into Google Maps. I just want to go north as far as possible, right? Well, we know that north from, I don't know where you're sitting right now. You're in Atlanta? Mobile. Mobile. So, you know, so North could be to Tennessee, North could be to Maine, North could be to Denver, Colorado. These are all North. Right. And, and sometimes we say scale, but we don't really, it's, it's a language thing. We haven't yeah. really defined what we mean when we say scale and it's just arbitrary more. And we also are not acknowledging the trade-offs that we have to make in other areas of our life. I love that you say, well, you want to scale. Okay. Are you willing to sacrifice time with your family? Are you willing to put in 80 hour work weeks? Because if you're not willing to do those things, we should probably define up front the rules that you're willing to do. Otherwise you just start making it up as you go. Yeah. And, and that's just the definition of just chasing more and more and more without really understanding what you're trying to solve. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think that, uh, you know, and that's where we always start when I sit down and I do a QSM or I'm doing a planning session, we always start with, you know, what is your North Star? Where does your BHAG? Where are you going over mm. the next five years? Once we understand that, it's pretty simple to reverse engineer backwards how we're going to get there. Yeah.
And you then know, I'm we, always like, I always ahead, like sorry. to follow that up. When you hit this BHAG or this North Star or this whatever, what then? And sometimes, because that's only five years away, right? And sometimes people haven't thought that through. Well, well, then more. Well, then more to what? Right. What's your final destination? What does it look like when you've accomplished? What will you do when you've accomplished what you've set out to do? Mm -hmm. Well, I don't, you know, and there's several. Well, I don't know. Well, then I'll spend more time with my family. You know, there's a great story and I'm going to completely butcher the story. And if you know the story, you can, you can hop in and help me. Um, but there was this guy, there was this big time businessman and he goes down to the beach and there's this old fisherman sitting, sitting on the beach and he's just laying there and he's like, Hey, what are you doing? And the guy's like, well, I just come in from fishing. I'm going to relax on the beach and play music on my guitar and hang out with my family and take naps for the rest of the afternoon. And the guy's like, no, 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 you can't do that. You got to fish all day, save your money, buy a fleet of boats, catch more fish, hire more employees, build a big business, manage the books correctly, hire a big, big, big fleet and run a 500 vessel organization. So you can be super wealthy and retire. And the guy says, well, then what will I do? And the guy says, the other guy, the businessman, he says, well, then you can lay on the beach all day sleep, play music and hang out with your family. And he looks at him and goes, but I do that now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The Mexican fisherman right? story is so good. And it's just what a parable for like the way a lot of us have a tendency to live our life. We don't have clarity around what are we actually trying to solve? You, you've, you, again, you've called it the North star BHAG. We call it the solvable problem, right? And if you're not getting clear on what is important to you in life? Because real estate and the businesses and the investments and all these things that we're doing, they're tools, right? They're tools to help us live the life that we live. Sometimes just looking around and saying, look, I'm already fishing and taking naps all day and doing the things that I want to do. Do you really need yeah. to scale this massive business? And so scaling is not for everybody. You got to get clear on why do you want to do this, right? And if and if it is more money, that's fine. Why do you need the money? What are you using it for? Yeah. Is it so that you can have more time with your family? Okay, well, what if I told you all you got to do is just work less and then you got more time with your family? Um, so yeah, I think that that was a big sort of turning point in my career when I started realizing, what are we doing all this for? Like, why are we scaling these businesses? Why are we out trying to become better managers and leaders? Well, getting clear on that and defining that North Star, as you called it, you know, is, is critical. It also doesn't mean that when you get to that, to that end point, that you, you can't change your mind. You can change your mind, right? You can decide to go a different direction. You can decide to do something else. It's not the end all be all for the rest of your life, but you've got to have a solvable problem so that we can reverse engineer it, work backwards and determine the daily and weekly actions that need to happen consistently. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, you know, some I think Gary Harper says this, that... You only scale once you go through his five stages of business. You only choose to scale if impact is the reason. Mm. Can we go larger for greater impact? Because scalability, most more often than not, does not equal greater profitability. It can, but I've, I've been under the hood of at least half a dozen businesses or more in the past six to eight months that we're scaling they ain't making no money mm. well and and it's this again i don't know why scale has become the word that we also desire but i think it's rooted in the fact that you show up and you see other guys doing these businesses that are doing 10 deals a month. You know, Eric Brewer's doing what, like 30, 40 deals a month? It's ridiculous the volume that guy does. And, and you say, well, I want that. But, but you're not recognizing why he's doing it and what the trade-offs are for making that decision to do it. But because our human brains are wired towards comparison and like, yeah, but they have more than what I have. So now I want what they have. You know, that was yeah. the trap that I fell into was just this comparison trap. You know, I love collective genius, but it when I show up there, I have to tell myself over and over and over, 
um, play your game. Just because somebody mm. has a bigger business than you doesn't mean that you're failing in business. It doesn't mean you have to now grow your business to that place. It means optimize for what's most important for you. Um, and, and if that is scaling and growing a business because you want to make a larger impact, that is a completely different story. It's totally a valid thing to do for the right person that's trying to optimize for the right thing. Yeah. And, and I would also just to add to that is just because their business is bigger doesn't mean they're making more money. Right. Yeah. That's, that's something I struggled with being in a very expensive market here in you know Colorado. And I hear guys who are doing like a hundred plus deals a year where I was doing 25, 30 deals a year. And it, mm. and it spun me out for a while. I'm like, man, I really should be doing a hundred deals a year if these guys can do that. But you're not, you're not, you're not comparing apples to apples here. You know, we're, we're just the number of deals for some reason seems to be the common denominator that we try to, you know, compare everything with, you know, but what I realized it's actually, I want to do less deals with a higher profit margin because I'm not a great operator and I don't really want to build that type of a volume based business. Doesn't mean yeah. that we're not still profitable. Doesn't mean that I don't love what I'm doing. It's just, you've got to build the business towards your preferences, your game. And, uh, you know, I just found that some people want to scale for the wrong reasons. Some people want to scale for the right reasons and getting clear on what those reasons are is, is where you got to start. Yeah, well, if you really want to make someone uncomfortable, if you see them beating their chest around how many deals they do, ask them what their what their NOI is. Mm. Right? That's, that's it's a point. it's a vanity metric. It's a vanity metric. You know, I respect the guys who can run a business, accomplish their dreams, do whatever that it is that they want to do and operate on 50-60% margins. Mm. You know, that that is good. That's a true good operator. You know, there's some some people that that don't need those margins or can justify a lower margin for different reasons. Um, but at the, at the end of the day, right, it, it all comes back to you and your North Star and what your solvable problem. What are you trying to do? What impact are you trying to have on the world? And, it, and another thing that I tell people as well, like I go through this this exercise with everybody that I work with. Right. Anyone that comes alongside me. It's called the deeper why exercise. And, you know, the first couple of questions are extremely surface level. And then we get into, well, how much money do you want to make? And they'll tell me. And then I ask, okay, well, what happens when you make that money? How does that impact your life? How does that change your life? And what will you do then? And we get so caught up on chasing this number. Mm. You know, we get so caught up on chasing this number. You know, um, Jason Medley told me one time, he said, once you get over about $400,000, your quality of life does not change. It doesn't change for the, for most people, right? You have those folks that, that chase this high money, they get the money and then they're empty. You know why they're empty? Because they don't make an impact. They've gotten so caught up on this vanity metric, which is the number that they think they're going to make. And they look down and they're empty and they're friendless and the relationships have been soiled and their kids are grown and they don't even know them. They're off to college and sometimes they can't even remember what city they live in. Yeah. What a, what an empty, what an empty life. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, let's say you're in your early thirties, like I am. And you say, well, I want to, I want to get a $10 million net worth. And of course, maybe there's a, a reason why. So I can spend more time with my wife and kids. By the time I'm 40, I want to have a $10 million net worth. And it's like, okay, you got this match genie. And he says, okay, great. Well, uh, what if I say you can have $10 million by the time you're 40, but you and your wife are getting a divorce. Your kids can't stand you. You're a drunk. You're out of shape. And, but we're going to make sure you get that $10 million. And so when you, when you explain it like that, it's obvious, okay, well, there's trade-offs to every decision that we make, mm -hmm. but oftentimes when we're just barreling forward, trying to scale a business and saying, eventually one day when I hit this number, then I'll spend time with my wife and kids. Then I'll get into shape. Then I'll stop drinking. These are the things that we, we lie to ourselves and say. Uh, 
And I think that that's important to realize as a, as a, as a, an entrepreneur who's looking to grow, you've got to recognize the trade-offs for your decisions. Yeah. And, and you know, what actually happens in that situation most of the time, unless there's a great life epiphany, when your wife and your kids, your wife's divorced, your kids leave it, you drink more, you get more out of shape. You spend less time doing the things that you want to do because now you're trying to make more money because then again, you're on this like reciprocal hamster wheel of just unhappiness. So I like it. I like, I like it. Well, so tell me a little bit about your solvable problem, your North star, you know, you're working hard, man. I can see it. What are you working towards? I have a feeling it has to do with making a massive impact, but I'd like to hear you articulate that for everybody. That's a great question. And, and even asking myself, like, I, I have an addictive personality, right? And so I choose to target my addict, my addictive personality towards work. If I, if I'm not, if I don't stay working, if I don't stay in the grind, I'll go find something else to get in trouble with. And so like, all I know is work and I, I struggle finding my North star. I don't quite, quite have it articulated. Um, but I do know that I'm here to help people. I know that I have a certain skill set, and that's optimizing and driving sales. And so that I know that I can help business owners in that way. Um, you know, I have this idea that, um, you know, and I've went out and built a business where I'm pretty handcuffed, right? I, it's highly dependent on me right now. And I'm making some moves to um, make it where it is not exactly as such. But my, my idea, my North Star is, is to have enough money or resources that I can do what I want to do when I like to do it. And what I like to do is invest in businesses and solve problems. Mm -hmm. And so I want, I want to choose when I want to do a deal and be able to choose when I do not want to do a deal, not necessarily because it's a good deal or it's a bad deal, because I just want to know, Hey, is this something that I want to do? Or is this something that I don't want to do? And so my North star is I want to work on the things that I want to work on and the things that really interest me when I want to do it. Now right. I found a way and a path to make a good income. Um, but maybe one day I wake up on a Monday and I say, Hey, I just want to go take my daughter to the beach today. In this current season in my life, I do not have that luxury four days a week. Well, there's one day where I do two days where I do, but, but not every day. And so, you know, I, I know that I want to impact people. I know that I want to keep using the gifts that I have to make a difference in the world. You know, I think that, um, there is a lot of people in this world that are trapped because they don't have a good mentor or they do not have someone with life experience that can show them another way. You know, I was having a conversation the other day with someone who was really struggling and they said, this is all I know, right? This is all I know. Had I not left Mobile, Alabama and went to the University of Alabama, I could have potentially been trapped in the trailer park as well because you're a product of your environment environment if you don't if you're not exposed to different experiences and you don't get to see outside of your small little window that we have growing up it's such a small window in a vast world and you don't get to experience these things you never get to truly realize the true potential that exists within you and so mm -hmm. I want to continue to be able to pick and choose the experiences that I have and my family gets to have and do it on my own agenda um and so now I know that I don't have that solvable problem figured out and I'm working through trying to figure that out, but I'd also say, Hey, I'm 35 years old. If I had everything figured out now, what would be the fun in that? Yeah, no, I think that it cripples people a lot of times by saying, well, I don't know exactly what my true purpose and calling is in life. Um, there's a couple things that you said that I want to touch on. And I really like what you've, what you said, and it's kind of making my brain run a little bit here. So I have a mentor that says, uh, <clears throat> it's an order. So repetition leads to intensity, which leads to purpose. Oftentimes we think that we're going to have, we're going to just find our purpose in life, just figure out what that is, but that's not how it works. It works through repetition. You just got to go out and do it. You got to do it every day over and over and over. That's going to lead to intensity. Now you're going to do it with 
this fervor with this, you know, high intensity, that's what leads to your purpose. People want to define the purpose first and then go out and do the reps and then go do the intensity, but that's just not how it works. No, it doesn't work that way at all. And I've, you've, you were able to articulate that much with much more clarity than I was, because I have this conversation with people all the time, you know, especially, you know, like uh, family members and, and they, Hey, I just, I don't know what I want to do. You know, like, like a kid in college with a major that's undecided. I don't know what I want to do. And my advice is just go do something, go do the reps, be your absolute, absolute best at it. And sooner or later, an opportunity will present itself. Continue to educate yourself, continue to grow, continue to reach up in relationships and surround yourself with people that are in a place in life where you want to be. Mm-hmm. And when you, the, as soon as you're accepted by those people, I promise you, you'll find more people that are higher up. And then you find out how to get in their group because mm-hmm. they'll lift you up as well. You know, if, uh, if you hang out with five baseball players, you're going to be the sixth. If you hang out with five softball players and you like to wear short shorts, you'll be the sixth. Right. right. And so you have to get around people first. You have to get busy because nobody worthwhile wants to hang out with somebody that's lazy and just, you know, a derelict ship sailing the sea. And then you got to just get to work and do your absolute very best and provide as much value to whomever is in your circle. And I promise you, opportunity will present itself, but you have to be looking for it. You have to be looking for it. You have to have an abundance mindset and you have to have um, a great attitude. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I would say, you know, people ask me all the time, especially like people back, like if you met me in high school, it's not the same person not not even remote like i was probably voted most likely to be dead in jail where i'm probably one of the more successful people from high school relatively speaking but people ask me like how did you find the success i said it's attitude i shifted my attitude i just had an amazing attitude that attracted opportunity mm-hmm. and i think that that's the key like it's a it's a ferocious work ethic and just an amazing attitude no matter what hand of cards you get dealt yeah. And, and, and do the reps, right. Go out and do the work. Stop trying to define yeah. your purpose before you've actually like engaged. I think that's just such good advice. Um, you know, before we started this show, I was sort of telling you a little bit about how I think of my solvable problem. And you just described my basketball, my pickup basketball analogy. You and I play a lot of pickup basketball every time we're together in Florida and, you know, when I think about the life that I want to build for myself, it's not that I, I love playing business. Actually, that's probably one of the favorite things that I do. Um, but I also, when I look at the way I play basketball, I'm not playing on a championship team anymore. I did that for a long time. You know, I played in very organized leagues, very, you know, organized. And I had all these responsibilities and commitments I'd made to that team. But that's not how I play basketball now. I play basketball like I'll go down to the gym probably when we get off these calls today and I'm just going to go play pickup ball. Sometimes I want to play. Sometimes I don't want to play, you know, and so I don't go. But of course, when I'm playing in that game, like I'm there to win. Get me the ball. I'm going to play hard nosed defense. I'm going to shut you down like I'm here to win this game. But when I walk off the court. Whether I won or lost that basketball game has no effect at all on my mental state because we're just there to play like because it's just fun. I'm playing because I want to play. And what a cool place that would be to be in business where I can decide, hey, I want to go on a I want to play pickup basketball. Now, of course, in business, you can't just play for a day. Most times you're going to play for a season. You're going to play for six months. You're going to play for two years. Right. But there's going to be points in Mm -hmm. our life when when other priorities come up. I know you've got a daughter. I don't have kids yet, but there's going to be a season in my life where I'm going to say, guys, I don't want to play ball right now. Like I'm going to take this next couple days off. Um, And I, I think that's what you're describing here. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, And you also talked about mentorship, which I think is great, you know, leaving space to be able to create an impact. It's really hard to uh, to be that mentor when you're when you're so bogged down in your day with all of the commitments and the obligations that you've that you've said yes to. Right. It's it's oftentimes hard Mm -hmm. to do these things when when there's no space. Um, So I like that you said that as well. 
let's talk a little bit about your own personal strategies for investments, if we could. I, I, I'm curious to hear more about your barbell and how you've aligned these different things in your life. We talk about the barbell a lot on this show. On one side, we've got the reliable, consistent side of our life that's going to produce the the outcomes that we want. On the other side, we've got these upside bets. Um, what does that mm. look like for you? Yeah, so my my biggest investment tool now uh, is not money. It is it is my time. That's where I have the most upside. Uh, it was return on investment speaking. But as far as like if I'm going to deploy capital, you know, I'm I'm very bullish on on real estate. So definitely putting it there. Definitely putting in something that I know, uh, which is single family, right? Uh, and and then you know leveraging my skill set. And the knowledge that I have to find deals, to renovate deals, to rehab, or to get proper debt structure on them, and then taking the big, the big deals when they come along, apartment complex syndications, you know, big portfolio deals. And so as far as leveraging, you know, financial resources, money and putting into, I, I stick with single family for the most part, but, you know, I, I said in the beginning that the biggest resource that I invest is time. That's where my greatest ROI is. Um, and, you know, the, the stable the, the left side of the barbell where it's stable, right? Low risk, low return. Is that how you put it? Correct. Yeah. So that's operating a business. That's operating a, a, a low risk business. Um, you know, I can, I went in and, and partnered with some coaching students who already had a business running. They had already deployed the capital functional business. I'm able to go into there and just tighten it up and optimize things. Right. And then, you know, the other side of the barbell, you and I were talking about, you know, I invest a lot. I've invested a lot in social media, um, you know, going really hard there. The upside could be infinite. Um, and the risk is worst case. You said it. So I'm going to steal it from you as I get on a podcast like this and I make a friend. I have a great conversation. I continue to be introduced to new ideas and new concepts, which continue to grow me, you know. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think that I think that's kind of where I'm at right now. There's so much upside in podcasting. I've been telling everybody this because you and I, we just we basically started at the same time doing this. Now, of course, you had a long track record of of real estate, you know, successes before that, and so it was. Uh, it's cool to see the impact you've made in such a short amount of time. I see you everywhere now, which is which is awesome. Um, and it's really hard to quantify what we do on stuff on podcasts like this, right? All the social media that we that we generate because I can't tell you how many people have popped up out of the woodworks being like, "Hey man, I see you on the on on the on the phone all the time," right? I there's just some level of like when people see you on a screen, all mm -hmm. of a sudden you get this sense of like, "Wow, he must be doing something," right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. know why that is, but it is. Yeah. And, and the cool thing about that, and I was telling my daughter this the other day, it's like when when I was a kid. And you'll remember this as well. There was like, you know, most people had cable. We didn't have cable, but we had five TV stations, five TV stations. And now you can literally create your own YouTube channel and you get to produce any kind of content you want and you get to you know, have conversations with about anything. And then not only that is you have the ability to go to a platform like YouTube and find any, it just wasn't the Dick Van Dyke show at five o'clock. Like you have access to so much information and the quantification of social media for me is I can, I can clearly quantify what it's done today. And it just makes me almost sick because I think to myself, wow, I've made, I've done this. I've accomplished this in six months of going all in on social media. What have I been doing the past five years? Like how much further could I be in relationships, financially, knowledge, experiences? You know, um, I, I just give you a, a great example because I was on social media doing a podcast the other day. This is just like so, so small. The guy goes, hey, man, I really appreciate appreciate you doing this. I have like this 7,000 square foot Airbnb on the beach in California. You come stay in it for free anytime you want. Just what? I'm on the way. Like, let's go right. ahead and line this up. So it was just <laughs> so neat. Not only not only did he offer for me to stay there, but he's a really cool dude who I hope to stay connected with for a while. Right. And so just just really neat. Really and neat. how do you how do you you can't know that that type of stuff is coming. It's so unpredictable that someone's going to hit you up and be like, Hey, come stay at my beach house in California. That's what makes it an upside play. 
right? And yeah. and that's what makes it this unlimited upside. So, you know, it doesn't always when we talk about the barbell a lot of times I think that people assume that what I mean is you you should invest in blockchain. You should do you should do all these like super high risk plays. I'm not saying that at all. Like if if you're if you're a real estate uh investor, your upside play in my opinion should absolutely include some sort of personal branding strategy because the upside is so big the downside is like we said you might make a friend i get that there's there's potentially some anxiety that people deal with around well, what's everyone going to think are they going to like what i have to say you know and and so that's what that's what stopped me for a while from doing this was like well what do i have to say what's anyone going to you yeah. know how what value do i have and i think the message I would have to those people is don't discount the the words and the value that you bring to the table. It's your own authentic self and experiences that people get value from. It's not like sit up, you know, you're not, we're not getting on here and spouting a bunch of bull crap around, you know, we're just telling our true story. We're just being, trying to be the true authentic self. Somebody's going to connect with that and it's going to lead to a lot of upside. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I tell folks that all the time, you know, and, and I struggled and it's self-limiting beliefs, right? Like I tell people all the time when they, when they're struggling to get, I'm working with one coaching client now and, you know, I'm like, you've got to do, it. he's in a small town, data's limited. We're going through like, Hey, how can I get more, you know, how can I do more deals? How can I get more exposure? I'm like, Hey, it's social media. It's a small town. Like you've got to get on social and, you know, and I, I can relate because I've been there before and I've been scared, like feeling like I didn't have my own voice. In fact, like when I transferred, when I moved into real estate, I used to run an advertising marketing agency. I was a part of one and I did social media and weekly vlogs. Like every week I was in front of a calendar for two, a camera for two years straight every week. And when I transitioned into real estate, I felt, I did not feel like I was an expert. I felt like that maybe I had some things to say, but I was very unsure. And so I got away from the camera and I got away from social media and I spent five years, you know, just on a sabbatical from producing content through social media or whatever. But little did I know that that was the greatest time to be capturing things because so many people could have related to where I was, um, you know, and, and I also tell people, I'm like, man, look, look, nobody's perfect. And people relate to people. People connect with imperfect people. You oh, know, yeah. like I, I, and I use myself as an example all the time. I'm like, listen, dude, I got a, a redneck slang accent. I can't pronunciate most of my words correctly. Sometimes I make up words. I get a stutter, you know, like I'm not perfect, but you know how many people reach out to me and say, Hey, I actually love your accent or Hey, listen, I have trouble saying comfortable too. I just can't pronounce it. And I'm like, yeah, me too. You heard me struggling <laughs> with that word. Right. And it's just, it's, it's like, man, people, you know, nobody cares as much as we think they do. Oh yeah. They, they really don't, you know? And so when you want to talk about upside, the upside is just getting out there, getting, overcoming that fear and providing value to the world, because no matter what you do or where you are, you have a voice, you have opinions and you know what humans desire the most in this world. Community connection. and connection, yeah. community and connection. And when you put yourself out there, you're, allowing people to create connection you know this this podcast here right let's just there could be one person watching it on youtube or there could be one million and at the end of the day i don't care as long as one person feels connected maybe they took a little bit from this maybe they heard something that they thought was so stupid and it made up their mind of what they're not going to do you know i tell yeah. people that when i'm training i'm like hey there is no bad presentation at a minimum you know what not to present on Mm -hmm. And now that's a very good data point that you can take and put into your repertoire and become a better whatever. Yeah, that's a good word. Repertoire. I like that one. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I remember Larry Yatch saying something to us a while back that connection equals authenticity plus vulnerability plus trust. And I mean, that's exactly what you just said there. Right. And, and so I think that a lot of times what I struggled with was, yeah, but I, they see they see folks that are getting up and giving education and thinking that that's what they've got to do and and what when i shifted towards just document what you're doing document don't educate just talk yeah. about what you're doing because you're building authentic 
you know, connection with people and you're being yep. vulnerable. Like Eric Brewer talks about this in his sales strategy all the time. And I freaking love that. It's, it's, you know, I'm, I'm a little uncomfortable right now. Can we back up a little bit? I think this is moving a little too fast for me. I love how he'll throw things like that in there because that's truly what you're feeling. And if you yeah. don't show your vulnerability, you're leaving chips on the table in, in terms of building connection. I agree. I agree. I had a good thought to go with that, but um, can't remember it. You know, I, I think it's super important that you're not like humans are not perfect. And right. if you get on camera and you try to act perfect, I remember where I was going with it now. I think you build more connection through imperfections, more connection through failures. And here's the thing. Where do you learn the most? Mm, agree. In failure. In failure. And people are scared to document that and they hide behind it. They only want to show the wins. They don't want to show the W's. But you're more vulnerable when you talk about your failures or your imperfections. The more vulnerable you are, the more other people can connect. The more you're able to connect, the bigger the community you have, the bigger the tribe you have, the bigger the tribe, the more the opportunity. Yes. How about that? Yep. Uh, this is for some reason, this is reminding me of a quote we talk a lot about inside of our uh, whale club community. It's a quote that says, most prefer the certainty of misery to the misery of uncertainty. Most of us would just rather be miserable. I say miserable. That's like a that's a little overstated. But most of us would rather take the certainty of misery. We just rather be uncomfortable and miserable than the uncertainty that comes with uh, uh, doing something new, right? Like there's a lot of uncertainty by getting on social media, but we'd rather just be miserable <laughs> than do the uncomfortable yeah. thing and become uncertain. That is what separates, I think, the, the, the entrepreneurs who continue to grow and build these businesses is that they're willing to get out of their comfort zone to become uncertain. And yeah, that's painful too. I get it. But it's better than being miserable and just accepting the fact that you're going to stay right where you are. Yeah, I think a good frame of reference for that is, is I've started skiing recently in the past two years, and I am completely obsessed with it. But I can remember I can remember the first time I've ever I strapped those ski boots on. You want to talk about pain and just being uncomfortable, like ski boots are not comfortable. And then you throw the skis on and you get on the snow and you're all off balance. And then you get to the top of your first hill and you look down. Very unnerving. Yes. But then you start going and you, and you hit the greens and then you work your way up to the blues. And before you know it, you're going off the face of big sky. And it's so rewarding and such an amazing experience that if I would have took the first inclination to take that boot back off and say, nah, this isn't for me. I got flat. I got really, very flat feet. I don't have arches. These boots will never be comfortable. I would not be able to enjoy this lifelong uh, sport that I love. And I've now introduced my daughter to, and I'm introducing my wife to, as I say, introducing it's because <laughs> that's a whole nother, <laughs> that's a whole nother. Don't get me started about uh, teaching your significant other how to ski. Cause I made that mistake. <laughs> But man, I, I think, I think there's something to that, you know, like I, I say, you know, whether you believe in God or the universe or karma or Buddha, but everything great is right on the other side of fear, or uncertainty, mm. everything worth having is right on the other side of uncomfortable, uncomfortable. See, I told you, I can't, I can't say that word uncomfortability. It's all right there. It's right on the other side of that. And you just have to go for it, right? That's yeah. what life is about is failing and making mistakes and being uncertain because that's where we grow the most. Yeah, I love it, man. It's so good. We'll have to ski together because I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're, uh, you're getting good at skiing. And I do know how dangerous it is to try to teach your significant other, you know, how to ski because you're, you know, you're just sitting there. You're like, I'm just trying to help. <laughs> yeah. And, and that turns yeah. into tears and you know f-bombs flying all over the place <laughs> so yeah I, I hit uh 57 i like to say that i'm the fastest on the mountain i hit 57 miles per hour uh Woo. i think in, in uh, which is screaming That's and awesome. uh yeah you can uh chandler and gino were with me and, and gino's an excellent skier by the way uh and we i just took off and smoked them straight down so i, I enjoy it i love it it's, it's gonna be a lifelong obsession i'm pretty sure
Nice, man. Well, hit me up when you come to Colorado. I just, I just skied at Keystone, uh, on Tuesday. So yeah, the snow's pretty good this year. We've gotten a good, a good year all around. So, um, so let's wrap up by, I, I like to ask our guests to, you know, leave us with a lesson learned. Sometimes I phrase this as like, what's your greatest lesson learned in business? It could also be something that you've learned recently, but what would you like to leave the, the audience with in terms of a lesson learned? I think it's um, honor before humility, humility before honor, humility before honor. I think at any point that I've gotten to in my life, or lack of a better term, I thought my shit didn't stink. I was humbled very shortly thereafter. Um, and it is just stay hyper aware. Don't be that guy. Don't don't be the guy that just thinks you have it all figured out because from my experience, the moment that happens, life humbles you, right? And so stay grateful, stay giving, stay caring, and, and just be a, a servant leader. And if you can stay in that frame, I think the rest takes care of itself. That's great. I really like that one. I have to remind myself that sometimes because it's hard as we start getting more and more success, your head starts getting a little bit bigger. Um, and you need those people in your life that can keep you humble. And that's easier said than done, right? Um, so that's I think that's great advice. Thank you for joining us, Ren. Uh, it was a pleasure to have you and hear your experiences. I know a lot of the people who listen to this look up to you because of what you've you've been able to accomplish in business. So it's just a testament to who you are as a as a person and you know as a leader. And so thank you for sharing with us today. Absolutely. I'm honored. Thank you. And, uh, and so for everybody else, we encourage you guys to use the investor frame. <clears throat> so knowing what you know now and the conversation that Ren and I just had, ask yourself, what do I need to change about my life, my business, my investments, so that I can get closer to the things that you want in life without chasing more and more and more. Uh, thank you guys for, for listening in today. We'll see you on the next episode. Talk soon.